and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 13, Men of Honor from 2000. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manson. The first time in a while we have no guest. Well, I guess the Cider House Rules episode mm. had no guest either. Well, that was a makeup episode, but this is a true solo bolo. A true solo bolo. We have Men of Honor, Charlize's, I think, third movie in 2000. There's another one to come. The next episode's also 2000. thought to myself... How is she doing all these movies in 2000? Turns out, because she's not in them very much. (laughs) Yes. This is, uh, where in the movie is Charlize Theron? Uh, (laughs) yeah, I was like, where is she? She's not here. No wonder she gets around to all these different sets, because she's there for like a week. When I was watching the opening credits, I saw De Niro, I saw Mm -hmm. Cuba, and I was like, all right, all right. And then, you know, De Niro. I see a bunch of names. I'm like, did I miss her? And then, at the end, and Charlize Theron, which I think... If I remember right, the only time I remember this for Cage, the first time I remember this for Cage, was Kiss of Death, mm-hmm. 1995, and Nicolas Cage, maybe was as Little Junior, whatever. And, or was that with? With. I can't remember them. One or the other, but it was the first time in his career, took him 14 years to be like, I'm someone who doesn't have a huge part, but I'm a big enough star yes. that I deserve special recognition. Right. Here... Special Charlize, five years into her career... Crazy. Here she is, like, and... Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. Yeah, and that's awesome because it's like, she's going to be here, just hold on, like, stick with the movie because you'll get there eventually. Uh, But no, that is really cool, like, her being woman and getting it sooner than Cage and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's wild. Like, her rocket to stardom is going super fast. If this was a podcast about Cuba Gooding Jr., this would be an amazing movie to talk about. <laughs> or De Niro, even. Or De Niro, who you know? is, he sort of teeters for a while, I think, between, like, is he trying, and is this parody, and then, like, I think by the end, you're like, oh, no, he's actually pretty good yeah, in this movie. Yeah, I think he is on the edge of Popeye. Like, that's the problem. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He's in the Navy, he's got a squinty eye, he's smoking a corncob pipe. He's got the big tattoos on he's his got arms. The, he's got the same sailor uh, anchor tattoos, except they're on his hand I think instead of his arms and I'm just like you know you're so close to being the real Popeye here if you just take that extra step over the edge and this this would have been brilliant performance who was Popeye in the Popeye movie is that Robin Robin Williams Williams, yeah and I I still if you watch The Master I still if I ever get to meet Joaquin Phoenix I'm gonna ask if he is doing a little Popeye in that movie too because he's a sailor with a squinty eye and a hunchback and he likes to fight a lot Shout out to P.S. I Love Hoffman coming soon, probably, yes. right? We're in, like, as we're recording this, probably around 2009, 2010, that's 2012, I think. So, like, probably not, I mean, you know, when this episode comes out, probably shortly after now. Yeah, a couple The of Master ways. available on P.S. I Love Hoffman. But instead, we are here to talk about Charlize Theron, who is in, I think, four scenes in this movie. Yeah. She kind of drunkenly stumbles her way through both the movie and the decades that the movie encapsulates. <laughs> the first scene she's in is legitimately incredible, where she shows up drunk, pissed that De Niro... We don't know at the time. I was like, who is she in this movie? Mm. Because the whole thing, again, just like Cider House, which... Spoiler alert, we just recorded the, revisited the In Memoriam episode, so I think we're going to be referencing Cider House more than we would otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like Cider House, this takes place in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, right? Like, it takes place a while ago. Yeah, yeah. The film is about Cuba playing this guy, Carl Brashear, based on a true story about the first black search and rescue diver in the Navy in history. It talks, there's a lot about racism in here, there's a lot about, you know, segregation, mm-hmm. but I was like, she's not going to be the one to, because I feel like this movie isn't the movie, like, she's not dating a black man. So I was like, she's got to be affiliated, it's like, it's not going to be, he's not going to be Cuba's 
girlfriend. But I was like, how is she going to be here? I'm like, is she going to be De Niro's daughter? No. <laughs> Close. De Niro's wife. Yeah. They make a joke later, like, oh, you have such a beautiful daughter. And he's like, come on, honey, or whatever. And he's got that Travis Bickle face on when the guy <laughs> looks like a complete maniac in that scene. But yeah. But I was like, how is she going to be here? And so she first appears when Cuba goes to this bar where literally everyone else in his Navy class in Bayonne, New Jersey, shout out New Jersey, is drinking, right? And yeah. they're all there, and he's not allowed to go in there because I guess it's a whites-only bar or whatever. She shows up, pissed at De Niro, her, pissed at her husband, yeah. missed their anniversary. Yes. And then she introduces herself, or introduces herself with her last name, Sunday, which is De Niro's last name, we're like, yes. oh no! Yep. And so she, already drunk, already pissy, brings Cuba into this bar, and everyone mm-hmm. is pissed at both of them, and then De Niro comes over, and De Niro acts in a way like he doesn't know her, which is, I was like, I was like, oh, I think to get, like, I don't know what is happening. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this scene, especially considering the scene that came right before it, you know, like, here's what's weird. They're celebrating because Cuba Gooding Jr. rescued a diver from this wreckage. Yes. And the white dude who ran away for being a, a pussy gets the Medal of Honor. And then they're all in the bar that night, like, celebrating about it, and Cuba's excluded. And then I'm not sure if De Niro owns the bar. I feel like a lot is cut out of this movie. I, I feel like De Niro owns that it's bar. It's also a long movie. It's two hours and yeah. eight minutes. Like, it's solidly already probably yeah. too long. And I still feel like a lot's been cut. I but, agree. But, like, yeah, he's... Charlize is, like, drunk driving, crashes, like, almost crashes into Cuba Gooding Jr. She will shortly actually crash her car in, yes. in short order. And I was like, oh, no, don't tell me she dies. Also... <laughs> Red sports car. That's right. Yeah, of the time. Yeah, a red sports car of the time. Uh, Shadow Cage Club. She is like all glamored up. Like she looks gorgeous in this. And then I find out she's the trophy wife. She's like De Niro's trophy wife. And De Niro apparently, it's funny. Like he's not that he starts because the movie starts sort of in the middle. But when the movie starts like proper, when you're introduced to De Niro, like he's yeah. a badass. Like he has all these ranks and medals and shit. And then by the end of the movie, he's like demoted all the way back down to like nothing. Yeah. Um, um, so like it, he's a, he's a master chief is the highest yeah master the chief diet. yeah it may it kind of makes sense that he would be that type of jerk off to have like a trophy wife like you know and like keep her under his thumb and not let her have any fun and like you know on their anniversary he's out drinking with the boys instead of like taking her to dinner and stuff like that so it's a very uh, strained relationship I did not add this movie to the list of the list of movies that Charlize Theron plays an unattainable dream girl where she has to date far below her class because she's also a mess in this movie yeah like she is drunk well, most of the movie she kind of sobers up as he sobers up because they're well, both Messes. I feel like she gets him sober. Yes. Well, and yeah. she also gives him the ultimatum, like, hey, I'm still here for you, but if yeah. you have another drink again, if you do, like, basically, if you act in any of the crazy nonsense ways that you've been acting for most of the relationship, yeah. you know, most of before the movie... Keep walking. I'm gone. Like, just yeah. keep walking on by me or whatever. And he, I, I think, really sort of listens to that. Yeah. I, I really like De Niro in this movie. Like, I like this movie more than I think you like this movie, just in general. I just feel like it's a movie that I've seen. Like, it doesn't... Oh, no. It's super predictable, yeah. right? And this has, like, a bit of that cider house sort of feel to it where it's like it's way too sweet for some of the issues at hand but then but i like this more than cider house. oh yeah i do too but what's weird it's like it's it would be like a g-rated movie if it weren't for the language and they really push the language they push the language movie. and also like, cuba gets his leg sliced off in this movie yeah maybe pg 
that that one shot of gore is pretty heavy. I don't know. Like, I really like Cuba in this too. I think he's awesome in this. The movie has a lot of issues, though. Like, I'm not gonna say like it's a perfect movie. It's a great movie. It's you know, it should be a masterpiece. I'm not gonna say any of that. I'm just gonna say for like a predictable slice of this guy's life, it's like a biopic, I guess. I liked what it was involved with like the navy diving stuff like i really found that interesting i really think that's like you know incredible feats of strength and bravery and like all that kind of stuff so like i think for me once he gets to the navy becomes like trying out to become the diver like i'm with the rest of this movie the i think the best way to sum it up just sort of really echo what you just said is at the top the most popular review on Letterboxd says, this is the most underrated feel-good movie I've ever seen. Mm. Seriously, all general audiences will be pleased with this one. Nothing groundbreaking, but it just puts a smile on your face. It's better than most people realize it is, and I really want more people to watch it. And this guy gave it four out of five stars. You know, I talked about, on a a couple different podcasts, how I don't really like biopics, Mm -hmm. biopics, whatever, because it just feels like it's too sprawling it doesn't capture enough. But like, this works Mm -hmm. well. Like, he starts out, like, you know, his dad's like, his dad is this back-breaking worker that of course dies in the movie you know and he's like whatever you do don't grow up to be like me i want you to be more and he goes off to you know he joins the navy and he's a cook and then you know that this is the story about him becoming this diver or whatever right and so of course he's going to face all these challenges and then overcome all these obstacles and everything like that i think the the performances are all good it's just nothing about this is like i'm not going to remember anything about this movie (laughs) in two weeks i'm going to remember give me my 12 steps like that's what i'm going to remember from the end of the this movie when uh, when they're in the courtroom and Cuba's trying on the new suit and he has to walk 12, 12 steps in it. He basically yeah. looks like a Big Daddy from Bioshock. In the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what this. Well, that's, that's what, what the this, vibe is. That's what that's what Big Daddy was though. Yes, like, a diver th- taken from these things and stuff. But you no, know, you're right. Like the movie. That's what's weird. Like the movie doubles down on everything. You know, like it. I feel like it tells you everything twice. Like you know his trouble with his bunkmates. Like there's the scene where they walk out, but yeah. then there's like another scene where they all brawl and stuff. So it's like okay, we get it. Like and then I feel like resolutions happen way too quickly. De Niro comes around from being a drunk racist to accepting Cuba way too quickly. Although, like, we do see that's coming because we were talking about before we started recording that uh-huh. this does what a lot of movies, a couple of movies like, you know, Reindeer Games most recently Especially on this podcast. Recently, yeah. And, you know, we're talking about how I hate it in, like, Don't Breathe. But this movie starts sort of, I think you put it well, like, at the end of the second act that we see. It's like 1966 mm-hmm. and De Niro is bashing skulls. <laughs> Popeye. He's bashing, he's bashing skulls because people are being racist around him. Well, yeah, he went AWOL and he's been recaptured. And those yes. are the commanding officers. He's beating the hell out of them. And right. Cuba's on TV, I think, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Like, he's, he's doing he's something Cuba great. And, like, these guys are talking about, like, you know, all this racist stuff. And, like, he just, he headbutts one and, like, sort of headlocks the other. And you're like, oh, but then we flash back 20 years. Yeah. And he is, I mean, like everybody else, except for Michael Rappaport, who right. is really good in this movie. Everybody else is just super racist and, like, you know, they don't like that Cuba jumps in when it's just white only swim time right and even when people are like oh you're the fastest swimmer we have like we we need oh. you on this team yeah. they're not happy that this is happening that one other guy from uh i always forget his name but there was one navy guy who sees him and 
gives him a leg up. And the guy from Deadwood, he's on that guy right there. Oh, Powers Booth. Powers Booth, yeah. So like Powers Booth. Cy Tolliver. Yeah. So he's the only other one too. Like he isn't. You know, he sees the uh, potential of Cuba and gives him a shot and everything, and takes him out of the kitchen. And yeah, he's like this grounded realist, though. He's like, he's like, mm-hmm. I can endorse you, but it's not going to mean anything. He's like, yeah. and Cuba's like, you know, I just want a shot. He's like, all right, I'll endorse you. But he sort of goes like he's not in it a lot. Like he no, just, no, no. He, he just gets him, him there. Yeah. He basically brings him to the area and is like, hey, you're on your own now. Yeah, you know, I'm, that's what's another thing is like the movie feels like it should be PG, and like I feel like if it, if it was PG thirteen even that maybe it would feel like more appropriate to the tone that we're getting here because again, like with Cider House, I feel like some of the issues here are sort of softened. I mean, many of them are not. But I feel like some of them are, and I feel like maybe we didn't get enough time with Cuba and his girl, and then, you know, because that also feels like... His girl who, um, I, I didn't capture her name, like, I yeah. didn't realize her name, I'm, like, I had to look it and, up. And that's one scene to another, where, like, they meet in the library, and then he wants to marry her in the very next scene, yep. and stuff. and if we had just gotten more of them, them in society being you know, this black couple in a predominantly white area and everything, and having to see them struggle together, bringing them together, maybe would have help their relationship work. I mean, I just feel like those things are rushed. The movie focuses on the diving and the peripheral stuff is just going to sort of um, happen because it needs to at the the way and when it needs to. Which I think makes it work pretty well. I mean, I, I agree that I wish that we had more about certain things or cut those things out. I mean, yeah. I, I guess you need to have him falling in love and, you know, meeting his wife and whatever and whatever. But I think what they focus on keeps the story moving it's just i agree like but i also don't know how you add that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. and not make it a three-hour movie no well that's the other thing it probably I, I could imagine this was like a three and a half hour cut when they got all of it together for an assembly because i don't know it has the potential to go too long i do feel like they cut it back well i don't know if you could have lost if you could lose more maybe in the beginning you could lose a little bit of him of him training and getting to the actual diving school but for the most part I think it's down to its necessities and while the movie sort of does fly by when you're watching for Charlize you're like oh my yes. god because I wrote down we're 50 <laughs> minutes in and there's still no Charlize she shows up like a couple minutes after that but I was like come on I know that is the name of the game for the most part because especially if it's a with credit yes, yep. for the most part I'm, I'm not expecting a huge role but I'm not expecting her to like show up after an hour like right. that, that felt too long <laughs> And the thing to point out is that when this movie came out, so I mean, they probably filmed it a couple years before or whatever, but De Niro was 57 and she was like 26. Mm -hmm. It's based on a true story, so I'm assuming there was a discrepancy in age. And I also, I mean, he's probably playing a little younger and she's probably playing a little bit older, but there's still like a gap there. To the point where, you know, that that asshole at the New Year's Eve party (laughs) says, you know, you have such a lovely daughter or whatever. Like, they, they, it's not... They didn't just cast these people because they fit the role. Like, it's based on yeah. reality or whatever. But it's still, like, startling right. how big of a difference there is. Yeah, and especially when they're, like, arm-in-arm arm together and she's nuzzled up against him. And I'm just like, really? Okay, I guess so. One thing I want to say about Charlize in this is that I actually feel like she's period-appropriate in yes. this. Like, she fits into the time zone here, which I was not anticipating. I don't... I didn't feel like in previous movies that she worked so well in the past, but which I think here and also she looks the part too because she's yeah. in the outfits and the hair yeah. and the the way that she smokes a cigarette, like it all works. She's one of 
three women in this movie. There's the older <laughs> yeah. librarian who goes away, right. and then there's Cuba's wife, and then there's Charlize, right? Yeah. And basically everybody else is a dude. Mm. And the way that they're dressed, aside from when they're in the actual diving outfit, they're in just navy clothes. And so it's yeah. sort of, I'm sure there's they're updated now, but they could be, this could be a movie from like the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, all the way up to like the 90s probably. Yeah. And so when you see her come in, in this old-timey car, in this old-timey clothes, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was actually having trouble placing when most of this movie took place for, for a lot of the film because the opening says... They 19... jump around a bunch. Yeah, it goes from 66 to 44 and then to whenever we are. By the time she shows up and I can, I'm like, okay, I know when we are. I and it. then they also, you know, we see her there and then like they, I think they use that New Year's Eve to be like, hey, now we're five years later. Yeah, they show in the back like 1956, like Happy New Year or whatever. I appreciated that too, that they, yeah, took a scene and made it happen on New Year's Eve to reorient us as to what time it is. <laughs> like that. That was pretty clever. But in that first scene where she shows up to the bar and she's already a little bit two sheets to the wind or whatever the saying is and they go in there and I'm still trying to figure out if she and De Niro are married. I mean, we know that they have the last name, but we don't know. De Niro takes out that pipe <laughs> and he's like, you know, you see this pipe? Like, oh, this General MacArthur pipe. And the way that she reacts to it, I'm like, oh, no, they're married. Like, yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. like, oh, God, this fucking story it's again. The Ocean's, like, I can't... It's the Ocean's 13 Clooney eye roll. Yeah. It's you know, just, like, <laughs> just like the biggest right, in the world. here we go again. And she just deals with it. Mm. Because, I mean, I guess that's the time, you know, she's not going to, like, speak out. I mean, she does sort of speak out against her husband, like, you know, you, you abandoned me on our anniversary. But she's still just like, she's heard this story. She's, he's probably tells this to everybody, like, he's trying to impress or yeah. whatever. She's like, all right, I get it. I got to keep my mouth shut. But like, I was like, oh, no, they're definitely together. Like, that is the moment where I'm like, yes, they are married. Uh, I, I really like where this scene went, where it turns into the bar bet yes. about who can hold their breath longer. Which is also, they, I mean, I guess it's a Navy bar, but they just have two fully operational <laughs> yeah. diving suits or the tops just the he- with the just, water. Yeah. yeah, just the helmets that they could fill up with water. Like, you would think they could just hold their breath. How often do you think that there's a breath-holding contest bar? Every <laughs> night? <laughs> Probably every night, if not twice a night. What was especially funny to me is there's a moment where Charlize, because Charlize feels like she's witnessed a couple of these and like oh, she almost run, she's like running out of the bar when Cuba's uh, wife is like or not at that she's not well, the wife yet so, so here's why because <laughs> earlier in the movie there's the male helicopter and the male helicopter crashes into the into the ship that they're on uh-huh. and the helicopter sinks and so De Niro who's the master chief diver he goes down underwater and then to bring the guy back but then he has to go back and rescue the other guy or whatever right yeah. and so as they're going down the thing rocks and he like plummets into the water yeah and because he goes down so fast he gets embolisms in both lungs right and they're like hey if you basically stress your lungs out at all ever again you're gonna die you're gonna die yeah and so i think it's a combination at the bar that she's seen this before but she also knows he shouldn't be doing this yes that too and so when he's like basically it's a dick measuring contest like who's got the bigger (laughs) dick who can hold their breath for longer him or kuba and she's like are you really this arrogant, like this self-centered, this dumb yeah. that to prove that you're like a bigger man than this guy, you might die? And like the reason it ends, I mean, he starts to like, you know, sort of gasp for air, but like his nose starts, yeah, bleeding, starts bleeding and like he's another 30 seconds away from maybe dying. You know yeah. what I mean? And, so and, I think, and he's probably drunk. And he's probably drunk. And I think, I mean, they're both like well over four minutes. Like they're both killing it. But I think it's just like, a, I can't believe that this is my life, that this yeah. is the guy. And so that's when she leaves the bar and crashes her car into the telephone <laughs> wait, pole. Wait, but, but, wait. but when she's leaving the bar, she comes like face to face with Kuba's girlfriend and she like can't bring herself to say like a word to her. Right. That bothered me. No, I think it's like, I think in that wordless exchange, 
she sort of says, I've been dealing with this forever. I hope you don't have to, too. I could see that. And okay. I don't think that... Because, I mean, she's also... She's drunk. She's upset. Yeah, yeah, She yeah. sees a... She's... It's, you know, a but room full of white people. But they don't know each people, other, but, like... But she's the only other black that's person That's true. Okay, there. yeah, so yeah, she yeah. knows... Even if they're not dating, like, she knows she's with Cuba. Right. So whether she's a mom or a sister or a girlfriend or whatever, she knows that this is something that, like, this woman, however she's related to Cuba, has to deal with. And so she's, like, in that glance. I wish I picked up on that more. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we had gotten her to show up an introduction of her earlier sober, and then she comes careening around the corner hammered like that maybe the impact would have hit me a little bit because the way that i wrote it down i said she's seen enough she tries to sympathize with kuba's girl joe but she has no words like i thought she wanted to say something and just like was yeah. so overwhelmed by all of it that she's like i yeah. can't no i read that but i just wish the movie sort of had a moment to take them both aside and say to each other like what are, you know why are we doing this what is going on here like you know what is it about this that brings us here and all that or I don't know yeah, 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 or, yeah. or at least have like Cuba's girl can try and talk to Charlize or something and say like what's going on what's going on and then like yeah she runs out of the bar and and quote she tried to drive off the pier like a crazy woman do you think like she was trying to kill herself probably yeah like whoa like in and out of this movie in like one sequence would have been insane it would have been great but i mean that also becomes a different movie where it becomes more about de niro dealing with the loss of his wife and everything and instead yeah, it's about you know Kubo's. that's just a slap in the face that he needs where he's like oh i'm sorry honey like let's go i guess spend our anniversary drunk and like in the hospital or something i don't know as much as i do like this movie i feel like a few like some things come too easily nothing comes easy for kuba's character whatsoever like at all but i just feel like we're missing a few moments with de niro and his wife with kuba and his girlfriend maybe even between the navy guys without those two because they're in every scene one or the other you know what i mean and like it would have been kind of cool just to get a few moments of people talking about them or other stuff that's going on you know aside from them Uh, i do like michael rapaport wish we had maybe even a little more of him and kuba like interacting together i do wonder though like because I agree with you all there, but I wonder if you get that stuff if it doesn't work as well as a story about Cuba. Because like, yeah. this is about him. Like It's not I about understand. the yeah. Navy at that time. It's not about how to become a Master Chief Diver. It's about the story of Carl Brashear. Right. And it's like, yeah, I would have. I completely agree that I would have liked to have seen other stuff. I would obviously like to have seen more Charlize. And it also feels a little bit weird that at the end, when he's, you know, after he's lost his leg and after he is basically trying to recertify himself as a yeah. master chief diver that she like it feels weird that she's in the courtroom cheering him on i'm just like oh it's just like you know a friendly face like i get why she would be there but the movie's like hey we got to bring her back a little bit well de niro was supposed to be in there with him and they wouldn't let him in remember he, so he, i think he threatens, his, he threatens his way in yeah so i think she was there for him more than gotcha anything you know one thing that i was sort of sad by is that hal holbrook who is you know this old guy who in this movie is maybe the most racist guy in the movie uh, yeah, he usually terrible. plays such a sweet old man and I was like why are you such an <laughs> asshole in this movie like this guy that I, I don't I can't think of off the top of my head any other movie that he's been in but he's been in a ton of stuff yeah I recognize and he's always like this like I feel like he was the kind of guy who was born an old man like I've always I've only <laughs> seen him as an old man in things and then here he's like the most vile racist of anybody in the military or in the navy and I'm like man like, that's a bummer yeah I, un- I understand that you got this is the story of this is Cuba's character this isn't the right the there's the peripheral stuff yeah but that is it's interesting the dynamics of the inner workings of the navy where the blatant hazing and racism just like the open racism like the the story about the Hal Holbrook character is 
he was supposed to like get his own ship and be you know set up for life and stuff but instead like he had a medical exam and he's crazy so they stuck him in Bayonne, New Jersey like at the top of some tower and he's a nut he's like a certified nut so it's like really interesting maybe I want another movie about the Navy that is you know what I'm saying that explores all that other stuff that has yeah. a different story going on I'm and sure it, that that movie exists I just don't know what that movie it's is it's not the USS Indianapolis unfortunately <laughs> Although I do, I did make a note that in 2009, the USNS TAKA7, I don't know what that stands for, was named the USNS Carl Brashear. Oh, cool. In honor of Master Chief Boatswain's mate, in parentheses, Master Diver, Carl M. Brashear, who died in 2006. So it was his posthumous. This guy was obviously, you know, based on true story, but obviously a landmark enough event that he, you know, an important enough person, basically, you know, Jackie Robinson of the Navy, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he got a boat named after him, I mean, after he died, but that's still pretty cool. Like, there's a lot of cool moments with him. Like, I love at the end when he's doing his test and the, you know, how Holbrook's like, if he shows up, like, he's not going to pass and all this. So they sabotage his test at the bottom of the so, lake. So, yeah, so that's that, that's not even at the end. That's like in the middle oh, of the right. movie. Oh, you're right, that's not... <laughs> because he's gotten such good grades. He's, like, so, like awesome. You, you basically pass yeah. the, the, the mental and the physical. Yeah. And he's done so well studying with him, with Joe, with his yeah, girlfriend, yeah. at the library, because he starts out struggling and he finally gets better, that De Niro tells Hal Holbrook, like, he just has to pass this thing. If he yeah. passes it, he's a master. He's a, he's a diver. He's, he, he qualifies. They're like, well, we better make sure he doesn't pass. And so that's why when they all go down, they, like, slice open his tool bag, yeah. and everything falls to the bottom of the water. And I'm like, what kind of men of honor would do this? Well, yeah, like, that's the whole... That's why eventually De Niro relents against what uh, his superior says, because of honor. Yeah. yeah. You know, it all comes down to that at the end, and I think they forget that somewhere along the way. And if maybe if it was written on the wall somewhere <laughs> and they saw it every day, they wouldn't act like such pricks all the time. But this physical part, like the physical challenge, if you will, from you know Double Dare family, <laughs> you know whatever, it takes these other guys like an hour and a half, two hours, and Cuba's yeah. there for nine and a half nine hours. Nine and a half hours. And Hal Holbrook from the top of his tower shouts, "Don't bring him up until he stops moving. Not until he stops moving." You're like. Holy shit, like, he wants to drown this guy. Yeah, he's certifiable, too, that guy. So I think that really is when it comes out, is that that guy shouldn't be in charge. We shouldn't be listening to him. Yep. He basically said, drown the guy, you know, make let's kill him. You know, we could cover it up. Yep. You know, he died during a training accident. And that's when De Niro finally is like, no, 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 mm-hmm. this is wrong. And I think there's enough guys loyal, and like, even though they don't like Cuba, they're all racist themselves. They're loyal enough to De Niro. He's like, help him up. And then so these guys start to do it. Movie magic at that time. I'm sure it all happened something like this, but as they go to pull him up, they feel the tug on the thing. Yeah. Perfect assembly of the pipe or whatever, whatever they were building underwater. And so they bring him up after nine and a half hours. He passes the test. They also could have pulled him up early, right? And been like, no, sorry, you didn't do it. You failed. But yeah. in that nine and a half hours, he finally got the thing. He got all the parts. He assembled the perfect assembly, comes up, passes the test, and becomes this master diver. I think that one guy, I feel the one guy's changed. The one guy who got the medal instead of him, who was like the coward. Like, I actually feel like when he walks over to help out that I feel the change in him finally. You know, like it's been teetering. Like they show shots of him sitting at the bar looking at it. Like he's always trying to fight his instincts uh, towards Cuba like from that point on and I, I don't feel. think if, like it's not something that happens I think it's just like a respect for yeah. the fact that this guy is better than all of them at what he does because that's right. the other thing like you just can't deny it you know, like I've, I've read a lot and you know seen movies about Jackie Robinson and everything like that and, like they basically said like you have to be better than everyone not necessarily like like you have to be like a great ball player but like you have to act better you have to behave better you have to like do everything better because yeah, if person. you slip up at all 
there's reason for you to like get out of here. Like, oh, like yeah. we gave you your shot, now get out of here. So he's far and away better than everybody else here. He's an upstanding citizen. He deals with racism. Everything across the board, he's like the immaculate, exact role model of what you want to be. You know, I don't think people, people still might not want to socialize with him, but they know that this is a guy who deserves their respect, yeah. who's good, who's going to maybe one day save their lives. You know, aside from Hal Holbrook, I think they all sort of kind of come around on it a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, and especially De Niro, you know, I was wondering, do you think he's the guy who sent the airplane magazine about the guy with the prosthetic leg? Could you never find out who sent that? And I wonder, because he's like watching him on TV, and then in the next shot, Cuba gets that thing in the mail, and then he's like, he's like, cut off my leg, I can get a prosthetic, and I could do the test again. And then at that point, at the end, it feels like De Niro's doing this as some sort of, like, he's trying to make things right. You know, I genuinely believe that his character has come around and has seen, like, the errors of his ways, and especially, I wonder, we never get into why he went AWOL. I wonder why he ran away and all that kind of stuff, but again, not his movie. I don't remember, I mean, like, I've already sort of forgotten parts of this movie, and I just saw it a couple days ago, but, like, I feel like part of it is anger at the way that the rest of the Navy is treating this guy. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, there's a lot of things Rock that could be happening. Kind of yeah. yeah. We don't know if he sent the magazine, but we also no. don't know for sure if he fixed... But he fixed the radio. Like, he right. smashes this radio that Kuba's dad gave him. A son never forgets ASNF on the side. It's the only thing he has that really reminds him of his dad. And he smashes this thing in a fit of, like, racist anger. As De Niro's getting kicked out, like, Kuba finds the radio has been repaired, that it yeah. works, it works exactly as it should. Like, these little off-screen moments that we know that De Niro is still probably an asshole, but he doesn't blindly hate Cuba. Right, right. Yeah, he's still a asshole for sure because of the way he like bullies everybody around and everything but they have mutual respect and he's gonna help them instead of do nothing because it's the right thing to do and I mean maybe he feels like he could be on the right side of history at that point and then he is just a jerk but I really buy those moments in the courtroom at the end there where he puts it on and Cuba's like, you know, I'll do this in front of everybody, this and that, and like, the Navy forgot, like, the one thing that matters most, which is honor, and the whole courtroom's like, oh, he's right, we forgot about <laughs> honor. And then De Niro calling him Cookie again, you know, and like, really getting into his head, and like, knowing how to push his buttons, I'm like, oh, they're doing like, all these, like, callbacks to when they were enemies, and now it's because they're like, friends and working together, and they have a common thing going on, and I, I don't know, I really liked it towards the end there, how it all came together, and and especially how, like, De Niro just leaves the courtroom and Cuba knows he's never going to see him again ever in his entire life, and that is the end of that chapter. And also what's nice is that when Cuba gets his prosthetic leg, yeah. De Niro shows up sober, and we're going to go back and talk about Charlize's scenes, but, like, sober De Niro shows up to an afroed Cuba, Cuba in yeah. rehab. With a mustache, and, like, right? And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, helps him come back. Like, he's not only there in court form, but, like, he's there working him like back. Mickey. And, like Yeah, yeah. yeah. They do that, like, Rocky stuff. There's even a scene where he's trying to do the jump rope. It's like, oh, Rocky. Uh, there's one cool shot, too, where we get, like, the Lieutenant Dan shot of Cu- of uh, Cuba missing a leg. Like, that was really interesting. Oh, in the mirror. Yeah, because he, like, swings around and he's missing a leg, but then he puts it into his prosthetic leg. Yeah. So I was like, how did they do that shot? Was he just wearing, like, a green sock and he just put it into, like, maybe the leg boot or something? But uh, I like that. It was interesting. I felt that. But the, the movie ends with Cuba getting basically recertified that proving to this young upstart cocky guy who oh, literally dick. wrote the book, the new book, Such an that, asshole. you know, he's able to... I mean, by all intents and purposes, he probably shouldn't be. I mean, he can qualify, but, like, 
they said like he's 20 years older he's missing a leg he probably shouldn't be doing this it's just because he can yeah but, but it's not only because he can he ended up doing it for another like 15 years or something yeah. like that too so it's not like it was a one-shot deal like he just you know a ceremonious title or anything like he was out there like in the water salvaging stuff with that leg and everything so so going back a little bit to Charlize, so we have the first scene where we talked about where she's at the bar the second time we see her is at that 1956 New Year's Eve party. <laughs> and I was like, oh, look, she's so classy. Like, they're sober. And then I look closer. Nope. And, like, there's lipstick spit all over <laughs> all both of their faces. They're just, like, drunkenly making out all night. She goes up to the table, and the guy's like, I didn't know you had a daughter. All she wants to do, she's like, come on, let's go dance. Let's go yeah, dance. Yeah. Let's go dance. Like, I've seen this. I know how this plays out. Like, <laughs> let's get out of here. And then De Niro, tur- he's like, yeah, all right, let's go. And then he turns around and, like, clocks the guy. And she just starts crying. And again, like, this is, an, again, another movie, maybe a 100% success rate, where Charlize is just, like, overcome by emotion, just, like, tears up, and it's just like, I can't go through this again. Yeah, she's a really good actress. Like, I feel like she's doing all this stuff really well. Like you said, like, someone who is just beaten down by this abuse, you know? And it's not even that he's abusive toward her directly all the time. It's the way he acts towards other people and she's around and is associated with him and his embarrassment and he never has any consideration for anybody, not even himself, which is right. Kind of shocking. <laughs> like he doesn't even care what happens to himself, let alone like his gorgeous caring wife. And all she wants to do is protect them too. Like she knows all the signs. She's like, let's just laugh it off. Let's just go over here and like let's make our way to the door yep. and look maybe we can make our way home and it's just that he's too strong and he's just too angry and he will just not let anybody get to him like that so he will risk getting demoted by punching a superior officer yep again demoted again again and again and then we have when he goes to rehab there's one scene i'm not sure if it's her oh yeah we have him shouting in his bed yeah. there's like a woman <laughs> with black hair or dark hair and she like sort of walks through the room i'm like is that her i'm like i couldn't tell if that was her or not yeah so there's one scene where it looks like she's sitting in the kitchen like maybe talking to her mother or something and you see in the foreground a jail door or something it seems like a steel door i don't and think that's know... in their house though okay I think that's in like that's i think it's the, the, the rehab, rehab center right okay think. yeah because he's detoxing yes hard like yes. screaming his head off yep. there's the other moment in the garden where he's like, that's the other big scene pajamas yeah. right that's where she comes out and she says to him like you know if you if you want to get clean if you're if you can reform yourself i'm here for you but if you if you don't if you can't whatever keep on walking and that's right. like the other really emotional scene where she says i'm here for you but you need to put in the work yeah and that worked for me too because her character was stone sober too she's like i let's do this clean we could do this together and it's a very short moment too and i feel like she conveys emotionally what needs to get by quite well in that in that scene quickly and not in like a false way at all like i really buy her in this role she you know even though she's very hysterical and dramatic and everything like it works it's working I don't want to say, like, I, I feel like, you know, on a lot of the recent Cage Club episodes and on a lot of the Hoffman episodes, that it's the same thing. And I feel like we're saying it again here, but, like, she, I do feel like she is, I mean, I don't know if she's necessarily the best part of this movie, but she's great in this small she, role. Yeah, I mean, I love De Niro in this. I This is, I've never seen this movie before, and I was Neither like, I. I can't believe this is, like, I feel like this is one of the really good De Niro performances I've not seen yet. He's just so intense in this movie. Like, he's really bringing it. I really like Cuba Gooding Jr. in this, too. Like, He'll always be your Uncle Juice. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see him in OJ. I know him mostly from, you know, Jerry Maguire, 
Snow Dogs. I mean, I know him from his comedy stuff and everything. And yep. like he, there's moments in this movie where the look on his face is like shocking, like how intense. And I'm getting everything that he's putting down in this. You know, the emotion, everything. We're watching this as we record this, and it's almost sad that he's got such like a gentle, kind face. Because if yeah. he like, if he looked tougher, I think he would have a lot of the parts that Denzel has. But like Dude, he just, yes. he looks too friendly. That's and part like of he it. can look intense, but like like his his resting face is just like oh look at that nice guy like yeah you, like he can play cruel and mean and intense and serious, but like you just look at him you're like oh look at that guy yeah I think he had a, a role in Machete too where he played like a maniac for a scene or two or something because okay. it was like the character was like a master of disguise and in one scene he was Lady Gaga and in another scene he was Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, the chameleon, the chameleon guy, yeah. And in that he's like insanely unhinged and stuff. So like I know he has range. I just had never seen him do a performance quite as tempered as this. And the frustration, the anger, everything. It almost reminded me a little bit of Algy from The Nick at times. Oh, the way okay. he was sort of holding yeah. it back because he had to and everything yeah. and stuff. So like I think Charlize is great in this. I just think like there's two other really great performances yep. that are on screen for the whole movie. The year after this movie came out, he would go on, Kubo would go on to play Doris Miller, the first African-American to be awarded the Navy Cross in Pearl Harbor. So a movie oh. that we almost covered for the podcast. So yeah, he went from this movie to that movie, both about the Navy, sort of similar yeah. decorated African-Americans in history. So That would have been amazing if he played the same character <laughs> in another movie. That movie that apparently Duke says is terrible, so I'm glad I yeah. didn't see that. But I would like to see him in that, so... I didn't even know he was in that... <laughs> so did I. And the only other thing, the only other note that I have about this movie is that at the very end, in that courtroom scene, we mentioned it earlier, that Charlize is there to root him on, and I thought it was really cute, like a really nice sort of show of support that she, like, winks to him. She's like, <laughs> I'm here for you, like, I got you. It reminded me a little bit of, I mean, again, it's a courtroom, you know, we've had a couple law battles already. We've had Devil's Advocate, mm-hmm. we had Trial and Error, Error, we're back here now. But that also reminded me of Children of the Corn, where they're in the congregation, they're just like, cutting through the crowd, and uh-huh. like, oh, here's a pretty blonde lady or whatever, <laughs> or pretty, you know, I don't know, she's not blonde in this movie, but like, oh, here's a pretty lady, let's let's cut to her, and she can just smile, and mm-hmm. just like, you know, go on from there. We just need reaction shots from the crowd, basically. But yep. yeah, yeah, you're right, she's not blonde in this one. She's got the nope. short auburn hair. One thing that I realized, and I don't know if these episodes have come out yet, so I don't know if you've heard them, but as I'm going through and editing these episodes, We've said twice, we're like, I don't know if Cage ever had different hair, and I don't know if Charlize has done accents, and I'm like editing, like, we're so dumb. Like, Cage had all sorts of crazy hair, (laughs) and the Charlize has had, like, that southern accent and everything. She uses it a little in this, I think. There's a couple times in uh, the different episodes, whatever they were, where I just, like, come in, and I'm just like, hey, guys, we're dumb. This is actually (laughs) what I was thinking, what I was trying to say was, but yeah, like, I mean, like, we follow, again, different hair sort of a different accent, you know, not as dramatic as her accent was in The Yards in last week's episode. <laughs> Which but, I don't think know, I picked up on, but it was there. You can hear it. But it's 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 a role similar to what she's played, mm-hmm. but it's different enough and also convincing enough that you're like, oh, right, this is this is believable, this is viable, I, I dig this. At times I was getting a little bit of the Devil's Advocate performance after they moved to New York, but before she is attacked by the devil, where she's like in that the carefree shaky, lifestyle kind of yeah but also like she's not supremely confident in the stability of her relationship oh, okay. kind of yeah, thing that's fair. going on yep that came across this time for me too i mean yeah i think she's great in it like look she doesn't have a lot of time to make her point and she makes it explicit you know and yes. i think and again i like as much as i like this movie i feel like it's 
the tonally it's kind of strange like it feels like little kids should be allowed to watch this movie but then the n-word is all over this and the, the f-word is all over this movie and everything and there's that gore at the end where Cuba loses his leg and everything yeah, this, you is, know? this is no boy in blue no no but you know if there were like a TV edit that would run on like channel 4 you yep. know what I'm saying like yep. I feel like this could be cut down to like a PG-13 thing and it, I guess what I'm saying is I'm a little surprised that this isn't more well known or I didn't know about this more before watching it the performances the way it looks the subject matter it worked for me you know I wonder I actually didn't look up till now budget of 32 million dollars made 48 domestic another 33 worldwide so it made 50 million so I mean it wasn't a huge hit. I think it could have. Like, I think definitely, if you if you knock it down, it's definitely over a hundred million. You know what's kind of weird about it is like you don't get too many films about the military that is sort of like bad mouthing it in a way. Like this is about the navy, but like you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is also sort of bad mouthing America. Like, look how terrible oh, we all. Oh are. yeah, 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 yeah. True, I guess. But maybe that's why it didn't get a lot of press or something is because it's not like one of these super gung ho patriotic. Right. It's not propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's real. It's like a real movie. <laughs> this movie came out on November tenth, two thousand. So right around Veterans Day. So that makes sense oh. to me. So. Yeah. But yeah, do you have any other notes about this before we move um, on to the other to the game and to the uh, other stuff? No, I don't think so. Oh, there. Oh, that. Uh, I like submarine sequence at the end where they're uh, they're salvaging. They're looking for the nuclear warhead oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. got lost and then a sub comes and catches Cuba's like breathing apparatus yes. thing. Is that that's, that's from the beginning of the movie, right? That's what they're watching on TV, I yeah, think, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so that's after we've wrapped back yep. around and stuff. Like I, I I like all like the action like I was I was kinda surprised that the action set pieces were actually exciting and filled with action. When they're underwater it's like watching the abyss. It's like, whoa, like this is right. this is exciting. Yeah, so. I just I mean there's there's no place for her in this movie, but I wish that Charlize was in this more because if it was we could yeah. like point it be like, This is a good movie where she's in it a bunch and everything, but like mm-hmm. it's one or the other, like either See her in a tiny role that's really good, or actually watch like a movie. They just it, yeah. it's it's not a movie you can recommend for her. No, but it's a movie I think you can recommend. Yeah, I definitely recommend it for De Niro. <laughs> He's yeah. insane in this, and Cuba's really good. So we have an email address: watch at cageclub.me. No email today, I don't mm. think. But you can email us. I just gonna I'm gonna keep saying it, even if you don't email us. Just we know we're here. If you want to let us know that you're listening, whatever. We are going to move on to the game, the pitch a sequel game. Oh, so we no, have Men of Honor 2, even more <laughs> honor. So we're going to go to randomize number one through nine. So, Mike, you are going to go first. Oh, you are man. going to pitch a sequel, a straight-to-DVD sequel, Men of Honor 2. Oh, boy. We have nine different genres that we randomly get assigned one of. And so if you were okay. pitching a sequel, because we got so burnt out by Hollywood tycoon I think that I we might it. return to it so if you were if you were to make a sequel of this movie that's a straight to DVD so maybe maybe you can get one actor back hmm. uh, maybe it's just a powers booth who knows uh, you know <laughs> what would you make what would be your sequel to Men of Honor I just want to say the last two times I played this game I feel like I've ter- lost terribly like I'm not good at this well yet. now it's just one on one now it's a one on one match so this might, be your, this might okay. be your chance to shine so it's all coming down. It's going to boil down to the premise. I'm not. I can't bring anybody back, really. I got to find out the actual date and if this has actually happened yet. But my Men of Honor two is actually going to be Woman of Honor, Ooh. and it's about the first female diver, Master Chief. Okay. Um, and even if that's not like a real thing, that's what the movie's going to be about. Pretty much the same. It's kind of like a, a retelling, but you know, in a different in a different era and with a female, and so. 
you know, she's from middle America and she goes to join the Navy and she gets a lot of shit from the guys and the girls probably you know maybe because she's like a brainiac or like there's something like special about her like there was about Cuba like it's not just because he was black but he was like a great swimmer and he was like all these other things too so like she really proves herself on the boat she goes to diving school like she's got a really tough CEO maybe played by like Demi Moore or something oh, instead okay. of De Niro you know like you gender swap like a lot of it if you if you can I don't know the history of this again did we just look up the history of so, this? So Donna Tobias in 1974 became the first female Navy diver I don't know if Master go. Chief or not, but okay. that's well, Donna Tobias that we're looking at right Okay, now. so mine is going to be the Donna Tobias story. Cool, I like it. Too bad it's just straight to DVD. Nobody really wants it, but... <laughs> no. But I, no, but I like it. I like it. That's a good idea. That's a nice way to go here. Ooh, I have seven sci-fi... Okay, Men of Honor 2 <laughs> oh. sci-fi. Okay, so here, easy, not necessarily creative, but as I was watching... So what I also want to say was that, you know, Master Chief... Halo. Halo yep. Bioshock, right? So, yep. so here's what happens. So... <laughs> Men of Honor 2, we get Cuba back because this is Cuba. I, I honestly have no franchise. idea what Cuba's doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, between 2000 and 2015, I don't know what he was doing in real life. I know Jerry Maguire is 95-ish. I know this is 2000. Who knows what Cuba Gooding's doing? So Boat trip with Horatio Sands. Okay. What else is he known for? What else is on that Tana 5 on the right? So he's known... Oh, this is number three for him. Yeah, Jerry Maguire, Boys in the Hood, Men of Honor, American Crime Story, and Snow, and Snow Dogs. Dogs. Okay. Yeah. So Men of Honor 2, so this is what happens. We flash forward this is after this movie ends we're not going back in time he's only got the one leg he's got the prosthetic you know they have slightly more advanced master chief diver suits we see in this movie that they're not very good at putting people overboard because like they hit stuff all the time people fall off whatever as he's going out to a regular routine operation you know there's somebody in the water it hits the side of the boat he falls into the water cable snaps he plunges down 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 into the deep somehow 37 meters enters a better than movie uh <laughs> somehow enters this like state of weightlessness and sort of finds this like oxygen falls upon a 1950s area called rapture which ah, is from bioshock like it. but he this is where the twist is it's not just bioshock where it's like this guy no gods or kings only man this is Cuba in this suit going down there, and he is a big daddy. He is this. He is looked at as this menacing figure because he's in this like futuristic, crazy-looking suit. There is just this world where he comes in and like he's trying to live in this world and sort of get back to Earth because, or get back to the surface because Joe is up there and Joe is worried <laughs> for him. But you know he's down there and he like lives in this world. It's like this undersea sort of Atlantis rapture area. So that's Men of Honor two. Deep Blue Sea. Nice. <laughs> or, no, no. Men of Honor 2, Down Deep. Nice. So I still like it. The last segment on the show, we have the uh, Golden Wallpapers or the Golden Teeth, the awards nomination. This is so that we don't miss anybody at the end. We want to go through and make sure we honor things. So I'm going to say here, right off the bat, we're going to nominate Cuba and Robert De Niro for Best Male Actor slash Role. I mean... Yeah, I wonder if we have like a best duo thing, but uh, because then we could be like Charlize and... And Keanu, best duo, or I don't know. She'll still try to work it out. We're still working it out. So, yeah, so we've got Cuba Gooding Jr. as Carl Brashear in Men of Honor. And then we also got Robert De Niro in Men of Honor. Anything else about this movie that you think was good or bad enough that we should honor it <laughs> in the Golden Wallpapers? Got a lot of different categories. I don't think, I don't remember the score, the soundtrack at all. No. Cinematography just... is fine, but I don't think it's anything uh, special. I like the way it looks a lot. I mean, you know, it's shot like almost like Forrest Gump or a Spielberg movie or something like that. Like it looks very, 
it's very clean. I wish we could give like a special shout out to New Jersey or something like that for this movie. Watching them, I'm trying to sort of focus more on what to nominate Charlize for, and this time nothing is really standing out. She's not in it enough to really recognize yeah. her in here. Not not enough for a love story. Not enough for best or worst role. I don't think this movie. This movie is good, but I don't think it's enough to put it in that best movie category. No, it's There's still no sex I, scene. She doesn't die in this movie. Oh, she doesn't get she naked. She doesn't die and she doesn't get naked. I almost feel like that's uh those are very positive attributes to this film for her character. I also do wonder, you know, we talk a lot about how she she gets naked a lot and how it's usually not gratuitous warranted and everything. <laughs> like I mean, obviously, by this point in her career, I think she's able to sort of choose it's not like she's an extra on the set of Children of the Corn 3 like yeah like hike up that skirt or whatever well it's also like Atomic Blonde it's not like well that's yeah that's for sure but I wonder now if we got to the point where and Charlize Theron right Right. where she's a big enough actress will she not have to do that anymore like I know she's gonna get naked and stuff still gonna come but her choice kind of thing but it's gonna be pick and choose as opposed to like oh you're a pretty girl we need to see those boobs I, I hope so man because that is just like a that just sucks to think about that you know not just her but that a whole caliber of actor have to do that yep to succeed at some point and I think you know last week when we were talking with Zach about The Yards the near masterpiece film The Yards (laughs) still to be determined he was saying you know he didn't feel like her nudity was unearned like he was more okay with it I think we just become sort of protective of her in a way because in The Yards it was like to me it felt like the scene was over and the director was like keep rolling now take your shirt off yeah and I think it's just like we because we know that she's a great actress she doesn't need to do that but you know she's okay with like I'm sure that she had enough clout or maybe not maybe I'm not sure but like I feel like she would have had enough clout that like she could have you know maybe been wearing a bra or something like who like mm-hmm. there could have been like a, a gray area but I feel like she's maybe okay with it it's a shame that it has to happen at all but I think that doing a podcast like this really accentuates that instead of just being like yeah boobs it's right. like oh I, like I sort of I wish that, that it didn't have to happen and also we're protective of her because we've seen her and we've sort of journeyed through her career to this point and it sort of feels like oh I feel like you don't have to do this and at the same time in a different sense you know it's like Damon Lindelof talking about like how there should be more male nudity and like there's we've yeah. seen like we've you know we've seen 13 movies she's probably gotten naked in like 10 of them you know <laughs> taking clothes off in, like 10 of them mm-hmm. and we've seen Ben Affleck butt and maybe that's it like we don't see a lot of male nudity it's just it's her a lot and so I wish that it had merit or reason like Atomic Blonde there's reason for it right yeah exactly and like Devil's Advocate it makes sense you know like if if it's warranted okay but like I I feel like I'm past the point as a viewer where I'm just like oh nudity all right like no like <laughs> spoiler if you want to find boobs they're really easy to find online exactly you can, you can like go that's any, the thing i'm you not go anywhere right. and find yeah boobs. yeah yeah so i guess what i'm saying is I'm, like, I'm not watching feature films hoping that the actors are going to get naked you know what i'm saying if it's you're not a, mr skin <laughs> i'm not mr skin i am i'm not that one from knocked up either what do they call themselves the basic point is that you know if it's if it's warranted for the story and the character, I'm okay with it. But if it's gratuitous, it's going to bother me and I'm going to call it out. And I feel like lately that's what's been happening. Yep. But maybe we've turned a corner. Maybe. Next movie up is Legend of Bagger Vance. Pretty sure she's I, not naked. I, I, I can't imagine. You know, that is sort of... Uh, Although, I remember Boy in Blue, like, Cage got down to, like, his underwear in that time yes. period. So, like... <laughs> but I also feel like, I think Bagger Vance is PG-13, maybe. I also feel like it's a companion piece to The Greatest Game Ever Played. It's another golf yeah, piece. So call. it's the movie that I been thinking that we were watching for all his movies. Shout out Shia. Wait, is this with the Will Smith? Smith? Yeah. And 
is Will Smith a ghost? We'll have to find out. That's what I heard about. I think that's what I, that's what I think the movie's about. <laughs> I don't remember. This, he's a golf ghost. Is this a is this a Joe two guessing of he, you know, the moments of what's going to happen in the next? Is this Chubbs from Happy Gilmore's origin story? No idea. Okay. I, I've seen the movie at least once, if not twice, and I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> but I know Will Smith is in it, and I know there's a there's a white golfer, and I don't remember who that is. It'd be but amazing if Shia LaBeouf wanders through. We're watching right now, and she's like just right now where she's like rolling her. Like I wish. That, I wanted that picture to be the mm-hmm. picture for the episode. I got one of her smoking, but like, it's that reaction gif of just like, basically from Mr. Show, the Karen Kilgariff, oh, you men. <laughs> just like, I can't, like, just, oh, you men. There's a certain intensity to all three of their performance when they're on screen together, like in this bar scene and later on in the courtroom where it gets really intense and stuff. Like, I don't know. I feel like the three of them would do well in another movie together, like yeah. something modern, maybe. The Italian job was about, if they, you know, instead of Ed Norton, you had Cuba and then someone else you had De Niro sure why not (laughs) just recast them in everything De Niro will be back in the movie 15 minutes Oh, which okay. we're gonna get to in a couple weeks. I think maybe two weeks from now. Is I think it's Bagger Vance in fifteen minutes, and De Niro's back. I don't know what that movie's about, but they I've said s- I've seen that one in the uh, IMDb trivia. It said Charlie's and De Niro appear together in fifteen okay. minutes. Okay, so. I've seen it. I, I remember De Niro's storyline. I don't remember any of Charlie's being in it. So she's in it. So that's gonna be I think in two weeks. If not, you know, shortly thereafter. Michael Rapaport ever come back or? <laughs> I hope so. You know, I, I think of him as just from True Romance, whatever his character. Oh, is in that. right, yeah. Just the world's worst. Actor roommate in the fucking movie. Oh, Floyd. Yeah, Dick Ritchie. Dick Ritchie. That's it. <laughs> I'm not saying Michael Rappaport's a bad actor. No, no, I know it's really. I'm oh, just saying like Dick Ritchie's like, yeah, give me your, give me your money or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. like, and then the woman just like reading back to him. Go see True Romance. I mean, watch this movie. So yeah, we posited three weeks ago. Mike had the idea to quote-unquote three weeks ago, a.k.a. an hour ago. Mike said, you know, maybe at the end of these episodes we'll, you know, recommend movies to watch instead of this one. You should watch this movie, but also watch True Romance and see Dick Ritchie. This could a great Michael Rappaport double feature. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, he's not in this enough. Cuba Cuba brings him back into the movie by uh, doing the bar thing, the 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 challenge at the bar. Michael Rappaport also directed uh, a 30 for 30 about the Knicks. Like, he's oh, a huge sports yeah. fan. He's a huge Knicks fan, huge New York fan. Yeah, he directed a really good documentary about a Tribe Called Quest. So go check that out. It's my recommendation. So yeah, so uh, just go just go IMDb Michael Rappaport and just, you know, <laughs> pick something that he's directed or acted in and just go check that out. The takeaway from this movie is that Michael Rappaport is great. Uh, any other last thoughts about Men of Honor before uh, we close it up? Nope, I'm good. Cool, we'll go see this movie. Uh, and for all the other episodes that we've done, because I mean, oh, actually, where, where on this list, I think I saw where on this list, but where on your list roughly is this in your favorite Charlie's movie? Oh, here, I'll, well, let's just go to the list real quick. Why not? I have this at number six right now, right behind Mighty Joe Young. I think it's it's actually, you know, I'm going to bump this, well, uh, no, I'm going to leave this at, right behind Mighty Joe Young. I have Devil's Advocate, oh. that thing you do, The Yards, Children of the Corn, Mighty Joe Young, Men of Honor. Mine's fifth. Right above the yards. So we're the same top six, just in a different, slightly different order. Yeah. I can't get over Mighty Joe Young. You know me, I'm just like a big fan of giant monster movies. You know, actually, like... weirdly, so I had two different people. So we had a fan of, a friend of the program, super fan of the Joe 2 podcast, Jess Collins, commented or tweeted back when we tweeted out. She's like, I love this movie. And then friend of the show, Melissa Lynham, was like, oh, I love Mighty Joe Young. So like, uh. that's this movie that like, I don't think people really thought of when they think of Charlize, mm-hmm. maybe. They just maybe. think of the monkey. Like, yeah. yeah. Think of the monkey. <laughs> but it's this movie that like a lot of people loved growing up so I don't 
fault you for having it number three. I just don't necessarily love it. But. And Children of the Corn is just like one of the best schlock movies like yeah. I've seen ever. Like, Doing the dirty corn. So good. So yeah, so go check out uh, cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter for all of our episodes of Watch the Throne, all of our other shows. What could we recommend? I guess go back to Cage Club, go listen to the Boy in Blue episode, <laughs> yeah. uh, because that's about sculling, it's about water, yeah. it's not about diving. Uh, you're rowing in a boat in water. I mean, it's baseball... A peri- it's, a, it's a water period yeah. piece. Baseball came in destroyed that sport is yep. the moral of that movie <laughs> R.I.P. Sculling but yeah go check out Cage Club go check out all the other shows at cageclub.me check out everything we've done you know this is coming out in February we have a couple new shows this month maybe hopefully at least one you know another one next month so lots of fun free things for you to do at those places I'm Joey Lewandowski and I'm Mike Manzi see you next time watch the throne